Welcome to Bonehead. Welcome <laughs> Bonehead. What is Jay's doing here? I thought he moved to Alabama. With a banjo oh. on his knee. Oh. I came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. <laughs> Actually, the banjo was in the back of my Kia when I moved. Why do you have a banjo in the back of your Kia? Why it's did not you... there anymore. Why are you, why did you, why are you the storing banjo your ban banjo in a Swedish furniture shop? No. Hold on. No, 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 no. So we've been to another institution that looks maybe like a basement. We shot mm. a show there. There was a banjo. Why did you move that said banjo? I didn't actually. To By the way, one ep one episode in his basement, and he leaves us. Holy shit, that's true. Yeah. What is up with that, dude? Why don't you love us anymore? No, you should come to my new place. Why don't you look place. at me during? Why don't you come? We to my could new do place a field tomorrow. trip and go down there. We're going to plan on it. You could. We're going to plan on it. We're going to plan on. It. We're fixing to. We're fixing to get up in <laughs> I there. I don't ever say that. Never done. You're only ninety thing. miles from New Orleans, so I can yeah. go get some beignets. Uh, sir, I and believe some... it's pronounced Nolans. Find that crocodiles that play trumpets. I'm. Uh, I was going to say the one that took band. the one that took your big toe. <laughs> it's the first crocodile I'd ever known named Diabetes. <laughs> I thought... ha, ha! Made you laugh twice, bitch. <laughs> Welcome to Bonehead. <laughs> oh, it was a, oh, she looks angry. All right, let's go ahead and do Frankenstein. It's <laughs> pronounced Frankenstein. Frankenstein. So we were going to do Twilight Zone, and we will do Twilight Zone. But then the bullet hit the bone. <laughs> the I, hell just happened? I'm the only one laughing at that. But I'm your gold uh, earring. Golden earring, bitch. Uh, it's a song. Uh, it was a band. Twilight Zone. Zone. Yeah. And I said it near the Twilight Zone. When the bullet hits a bone. Twilight Zone. Have you ever heard of music? Earring. Yeah. That's like when you do this to a Dude, it's pretty much the greatest song ever. <laughs> it's a documentary. It's right up there with the Star Spangled Banner. And... Hold on, let me get on my knee. Is he going to say... No, no. I, I just pissed off the five Republicans. Let's, let's, let's let him get on his knee. I want to see him try to get back up. <laughs> I'd get on... I'd get on my knee, Colin, but I just can't get back up. Get the winch, boys. <laughs> oh, Joe's real respectful. Now he doesn't have any cartilage. <laughs> he's in prayer. No, he's no, not. No, no, God, no. Um, oh, Frankenstein. Anyway, so we decided to do an episode about Frankenstein. The Why? original zombie. <laughs> or Lazarus. Why does everybody leave out Lazarus? That's huh? true. Lazarus, Why does Lazarus be Jesus to that? It would be Lazarus. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he helped out Ray Ghoul quite a bit. Mm -hmm. With his pit. Yeah. He's also in that episode of Star Trek where he fights the other version of himself from time. And then the, the way he saves everybody is he tracks himself in eternity in a constant loop. Ray Ghoul was in Star Trek? Yeah, episode 7. Check it out. Okay. Which series? Doesn't matter. 34th one. Anyway, back to Frankenstein. So, we were going back and forth about what we were going to do, and then I don't... Did I say Frankenstein? I don't I, know. I didn't listen to you if you did. And, and then we were all like, oh, Frankenstein. Why do we do Frankenstein? Why are we doing Frankenstein before we do Dracula? Why are we doing this before we do vampires? Why are we doing this from the creature from the Black Lagoon? Or any of the or the Wolfer Man, the second age Which of Black Lagoon. Horror. Let's face it, the creature from the Black Lagoon, best Universal monster. But we're talking about Frankenstein. Well, it's I not the best Wolf Universal Man. monster film. I do love Creature from the Black Lagoon. It's a great Wolf movie, Man. but it's not the best Universal monster film. It's you think it's kind of the edge, like I, I, 
there was a second age of universal horror films, which isn't as well known. It is atomic it, ones. Yeah. Um, but do you think that that I think the creature from the Black Lagoon almost bridges them? Probably yeah. it came later, and the Wolfman came later too. People yeah, forget yeah. that. Well, who don't really look? But at actually, it. the I... Wolfman that now, um, what was the, what was the first Wolfman movie? It wasn't the one that everybody knows. It wasn't um, the Wolfman. It was Werewolves of London. It's Werewolves of London. Yeah. So uh, people forget or Werewolves. That one. Of, yeah. Um, I got bit in the ass a by a jackal. No, in London in midnight. What is it? I'm Fudge. blanking on it. Oh, somebody look it up. Like, there's somebody over there that does it for... Hey, or we, can, or we can actually just talk about... Hey, research Bob! But I actually agree with Joe on that the Creature from the creature from the Black Lagoon is my favorite Universal monster, but it is not the best Universal monster movie. For Bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein and the original Frankenstein are the two best Universal monsters. Bride of monsters. Frankenstein is the best Universal monster. For I said Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein are the two best. I didn't put them in concert. But, you know, Bride I of think... Frankenstein... Actually, I think Bride of Frankenstein... Is bet and don't get me wrong, I like Frankenstein, but Bride of Frankenstein is superior more than Godfather Two is to Godfather because people I hear that the, and I still prefer Godfather. The one I can tell you that Bride of Frankenstein is better. That I will give Bride of Frankenstein, mm-hmm. and it's because he had to speak. I love how he put that forth as an argument, but nobody was arguing with no. him. I just said that those were the two best Universal but, but, Horror but movies. I was say, the, the one oh, critique. Nobody be defensive. I'm going to stab critique. you with my phone. Oh, my I don't think you could. The really one stab critique I will have. See if that'll go on my blood. That hurt. Told you. you want a lifesaver? No. Well, you don't get one, bitch. <laughs> Are they butter rum? No. Damn it, James. Who talk. the fuck eats butter rum? I don't Your know. Mom? A... Oh, I'm sorry. Who eats butter rum? I didn't mean to say fuck. Go, James. James, go. What I was going to say, the one critique I will have of Bride of Frankenstein, it's actually Karloff's biggest critique of it, was they made him not do the makeup fully. And if you really pay attention... Yeah. Um, but it was because he, he had to talk, right? He had to talk. And the makeup was done by Jack... Kerouac. I knew you were going to say that. I was hoping he wouldn't say that. No, because I'm blanking on the name. But... Oh, crap. We should have wrote a couple but, of the names there. But anyway, he um, and so that was his big critique of and every film that followed in the Frankenstein. He never got the same full makeup he got in the original. So if you really pay attention, the makeup effects in the original are almost untouchable. One of the things that actually came up and going back on horror films before that, the silent films. We talked a little about this when we did the Rob Zombie episode. Um, the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. One of the big things that a lot of people have looked at time and time again was how did Lon Chaney Sr. Right. Pull off some of those makeup effects because they are almost, I mean, even with all our stuff today, there are people who will say nobody could do the Lon Chaney work the way Lon Chaney did. And Karloff really kind of wasn't happy when they screwed with the makeup for Frankenstein. So that's the only critique I would have. Now, Bride of Frankenstein, though, has one of my all-time favorite quotable scenes. And I think it's when you see Frankenstein's monster become probably more human than anybody else in that film. I'm looking you up. I, I figured. But it's uh, We Belong Dead. Oh, it's one of the best movies yeah. of all time. I mean, because he's he's came to the realization that he is... Jack Pierce. Jack Pierce. He is not. I knew I was right. He he. Is, he is, I'm gonna Pierce. I can't believe I could remember Jack Pierce. He uh, be but then he doesn't belong. Him. That he doesn't. There is no place in this world for him. He is 
the monster. He is... So, you know, when she wants to survive, he effectively grabs her and goes, no, we... we whatever. He doesn't say no, he just goes, we belong dead. We belong dead. It, it, there's... I'm trying to think. It's it's funny to me because we're looking at this 80 years later, mm-hmm. roughly. Yeah, yeah. We're getting close to 80 years later. Yeah. So we're looking at this 80 years later, and um, and if I this is Young Frankenstein, but we should use some of the same sets. Though. Used it some. It was the only the sequels didn't even use the same sets. It was one of the, it was the only movie that used the same sets. Which but, the fact those sets survived is phenomenal. Right. And so. if you cut over here to the, I have the classic monsters on Blu-ray from Universal, and I can show you that picture to a twelve-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they know that's Frankenstein. Right. Yeah. How do they know that's Frankenstein? They've never seen the movie. Because it's it's an I mean Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. They've Karloff, never seen the movie. They've never seen that. They, yeah. they couldn't tell me who Boris Karloff is. No. But that character done that way because that's not how he is in the book. No, of course not. And that's one thing I want to jump back a little bit and is, so isn't Kenneth Branagh's version more of how he looks in the book? Uh, yeah. I mean, he's supposed to be... He looks scarred. He looks all that. But he looks very much human. Yeah. Like, he is monstrous in his appearance, but it's because he is patchwork. He is... Right. Um, so, I mean, that's Kenneth Branagh's version. Though flawed and very slow. Well, actually, it's not the slow that gets it's... to me. They, they, they said, okay, let's go ahead and tack on Bride of Dragon. They Bride of Frankenstein at the end of it. The yeah, third yeah. act Which... is what they did. And apparently, Frank Darabont wrote the screenplay. And if you ever get a copy, and I don't know if you can find it, the original Darabont screenplay differs greatly. And Del Toro and several other folks who wanted to remake Frankenstein say... That actually is the definitive screenplay for Frankenstein. Oh wow! But as an adaptation, as Darabont's original. Jumping back to Frankenstein, the book. So the story behind that. First off, you have to know a little bit about Mary Wollstonecroft. I always screw up her name. Wollstonecroft Shelley. Let's just call her Mary Shelley. Well, she was the daughter of Mary Wollstonecroft, and if you don't know who that is, this is actually important. Mary Wollstonecroft had. Mary Shelley, uh-huh. who, who went on to be Mary Shelley, who, who married who married old man Shelley's boy. Yeah, yeah, the famous poet. But Byron. Sure. Yes. Lord. Yes. Lord have mercy. Anyway, Lord Shelley. <laughs> you didn't even do it. Lord have mercy. Uh, anyway, Mary... I'm sorry. I don't live in the Alabama, <laughs> Mississippi, gumbo. That's Why don't you bring me some bullfrogs Mary... and some mud bugs and shut up? Anyway, Mary Wollstonecraft. Um, Why don't you take Toto and watch out for those tornadoes? That's uh, right, out there in the Missouri. Mary Wollstonecroft is famous in her own right. Most people don't know that she was considered, in many ways, you were the first treatise on the fact that women were equal to men. She did that in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. I bet um, that wasn't popular. Uh, you know, it was among women, as it turns out. But she, <laughs> but now she also wrote one of the first histories of the French. Um. <laughs> We eat a lot of bread. And sales. Uh, She wrote novels, treatises, a travel narrative, a history of the French Revolution, a conduct book, and children's books. But it's best known for a vindication. In the art of not shaving. And it's best known for a vindication of the rights of women, which she wrote in 1792. And in it, she argues, I used some of it during my um, dissertation. She argues. Here we go back. Oh, look at me. I'm back 
penalty. She argues that the reason women weren't equal to men was they had been denied education and that education would allow women to achieve what men had. And she was pretty persuasive. Yeah, However, she was pretty <laughs> radical. Stuff taught him everything. She does. was pretty <laughs> radical. She had kids out of wedlock. Whore? I mean, um, what? <laughs> her uh, Mary Shelley had a half sister. What? Um, who also was an author. Uh, most people, nothing cool. But what the other part about it is, um, well, nothing. She cool wrote me. Wankenhoon. <laughs> <laughs> the wanker. <laughs> but. Frankenstein was written more or less because Shelley um, and um, Lord Byron and somebody else who allegedly there may have been um, um, some uh, menage. Uh, yes, mm. some uh, some little uh, threesomes. Marriage. Yes, but they basically got together and said, "Who can write the scariest story?" Now, this is not really based on fact. No, no. Because Bride of Frankenstein opens with this scene. Yes. Yep. The movie but, opens with this scene. But the idea was that all three of them would try to write something terrifying. Shelley, or I mean, sorry, Lord Byron wrote poetry. I mean, I'm... Who reads that? Um, Any old bear? Poe read it. Poe po read a lot of Shelley. Or uh, Byron. Uh, there you go. That's true. <coughs> but, other side of this is, so there's a little bit of truth to it. What are you doing? I'm going to look up um, Lord Byron owning a bear. Good for you, Go buddy. ahead, talk about your The bear. other thing, though, that that a lot of people don't give Mary Shelley credit for is she also wrote one of the first dystopian books, one of the first plague outbreak books. Her follow-up to Frankenstein was about a plague breaking out, killing most people, and it actually ends pretty much with one human being left, and it's aristo uh, he's aristocratic, if I remember correctly. So she actually, in some ways, I wouldn't say it's the first <laughs> dystopian novel, but she it's a big precursor to what I would consider the first. And so, a lot of people ripped it off. Yeah, yeah. Even if they didn't know they were... Plague outbreak, and then all of a sudden there's one person that's immune, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you could argue Richard Matheson. Did he own a bear, Chad? In 1805, when he became a student at Trinity College, Cambridge, the college authorities told him that pet dogs were banned. He also, he was so annoyed... Performance arts? (laughs) Yes. He was so annoyed by the draconian rules that he bought a tame bear instead. Thank you, history. Why did Draken make him have them rules? Blah, 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 blah. Drake ain't good for nothing but hosting SNL and singing. Anyway, so Mary Shelley is known for Frankenstein now, but she did a lot of other stuff. She was the daughter of a radical... bear? I read. (laughs) She was the daughter of what would most people would argue was the first radical feminist. Two o'clock. So she did marry into effectively aristocracy. Right. But she was a radical feminist. She was not afraid. She did originally publish Frankenstein under a man's name. Most people don't realize that. But she actually had to smuggle it into... I think France published it first. And it was under a man's <coughs> name. What was the man's name? I don't remember. Hmm. But... Lord Hugin you can You can't help but wonder, being the daughter of the person who wrote the first feminist... Marvin Shalali. <laughs> oh, my y'all Shalali. My stubby Shalali. Anyway, so... Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein. If you've ever read Frankenstein, Frankenstein begins, it's almost told, so it was very common at this time, everything was told by letters, and it's told by... Dracula's told letters. Yeah. This is told by a sea captain who discovers Victor Frankenstein, Victor von Frankenstein, and what's so common in the movies, Igor... They find him hunting the mighty white whale, right? Yeah, that's pretty much. He is hunting... And it goes, Call me Ishmael Lord Byron Bear Killer. It go, it goes through 
Um, he tells the story of why he's in the middle of the Arctic, where they find him. Uh, and they pull him into the boat, and he's half mad, and he's starving, and he's freezing, and all that stuff. And he he is hunting and being hunted, effectively, mm-hmm. by the creature, which is his own creation. And it, unlike the movies, the creature is perfectly literate, yes. perfectly capable of speaking. Mm-hmm. It is, in all of fact, all intent, other than being scarred up, a human being. Right. And that's why the other title <coughs> for Frankenstein was the modern Prometheus. If you're not familiar with Prometheus, Prometheus stole fire. It's a movie by Ridley Scott. No. Which is flawed. No. Space Cobra's real... Why don't you take your helmet off of that Space Cobra? <laughs> the real Prometheus, most people know this, but Prometheus <laughs> is a villain of the Justice League. He wears no. a helmet. No. And he took it off of Space yeah. Cobra. No. Um, the real Dumbass. Pro- the real Prometheus. Look at me. I traveled clear across this universe. Took off my helmet. Make off with this damn space cobra. <laughs> the real Prometheus stole fire. And it's your from... damn father. <laughs> <laughs> Traveled halfway across the universe. I the goddamn father. <laughs> anyway, Prometheus is. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're quoting South Park for you folks out there. Prometheus stole fire from the gods and gave it and, and put the fire of life into humanity. So, right. uh, Frankenstein, by wanting to create life, is. A modern Prometheus. The problem is, he is not God. And that's basically what the story boils <laughs> down to is, he does not have the real power of God. He gives it life, but he can't give it morality. He can't... And actually, it learns morality. The scene that is in the movies that kind of plays off the book is, it basically hides, unlike the movies, but when it encounters someone who is blind and the family and all of that stuff... And it hides, but it learns to speak. It learns what family is. And the reason the monster in the book is so mad is its father has rejected it. Right. Its God has rejected it. And so the book ends with them hearing screaming. Mm-hmm. And effectively, the creature comes to meet God, to claim its father. Right. And then, you know, it's, it's all that. Igor is not in the book. He does have an assistant. Uh, he is not. Well, and Igor didn't come into the Frankenstein movies till much later. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, he was uh, played by <coughs> Bella Lugosi. He was played by Victor Fraun Frankenstein. But the other part about Frankenstein, so anyway, that's kind of the thing. So the book is really rich. It is something that I recommend if you haven't read it. It is a good read. It takes a little while to get going. But it does play around with what happens when you try to be God. What happens when you're successful? Right. Because it's not that he fails. He is too successful. But the other part about it is he is just a med student. He's, despite it being Dr. Frankenstein, he's a med student. Um, the other part about it, though, is just from that story, one of the first films ever made... What? No. One of the first films ever made was... Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Edison. Edison. Made Frankenstein. And the creature, the way the creature looked... In that Thomas Edison version, which was 1910, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. That was a failure. It was a failure, but the creature in that movie is creepy as hell. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've never seen it? No, I've never seen oh, it. Oh, you should. Yeah. We could do a whole episode, though, on Edison and what a dick Edison was. Oh, God, yeah. But and by the way, the, everybody says Edison's a genius. No. no. Edison was a freaking thief. Yeah. And a jerkwad. Mm. So we're he not was good at business. Yeah, he was he, good at business. He was good at, uh, well, and he... And hiring henchmen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, uh, 
So Frankenstein. He screwed over poor David Bowie. <laughs> I knew, knew David Bowie was going to come up in this. Um, so Frankenstein is a book, though, it's just so rich for interpretation, which is why you keep seeing that theme come up. Of what have we, <coughs> the entire concept of what have we unleashed? Mm-hmm. What have we done? And you can, and then the fact she did follow up with a story about a plague. I mean, Mary Shelley, in many ways, was the the, the godmother <coughs> of many of our modern horror elements. So this is all Pandora's box. Right. Now, one of the things that I want to mention is that we get we really never get it right. And as a society, we've changed it around. The book is called Frankenstein. The creature is the creature. Right. Yeah, Frankenstein's the doctor. Right. And there's that internet meme, which is somewhat accurate. Knowledge is knowing that Frankenstein is the doctor, not the monster. Wisdom is knowing that Frankenstein is the doctor and the monster. Yeah. I, but it's the... Um, Jeez, that's heavy. Yeah. It's, well, it's a meme. I'm sorry to drop some meme knowledge on you. Um, but, oh, you know, I thought those were called memes. Me, 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 you, you, you. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, moving right along. So, we the most famous is James Whale's Frankenstein. Stein, now, yeah. I can I talk about James Whale for a second? Go yeah, ahead. yeah. James Whale directed Frankenstein. James Whale was a World War One survivor. He was British. He was a uh, gay man living in Hollywood at a time where Hollywood was probably one of the few places he could live. And be successful as a not incredibly open, but fairly open homosexual. Okay. Hold on, real quick. Yeah. This is Thomas Edison's Frankenstein. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but yeah, yeah. creepy. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. It looks a little like Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that particular shot, yeah. Well, yeah. So if you're listening, Chad just showed us that. So James Wells, a fascinating guy. And if you get the chance to read a book, uh, read a book. There's a book and a movie about him. The movie he was played by uh, Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen, and in a great performance, it's called Gods and Monsters. Right? Of God, is it of Gods and Monsters? No, it's, no, it's Gods just Gods and, and Monsters. Monsters. Of Gods and Monsters and Lion, of course, from Brighton. But uh, yeah. Gods and Monsters. He he had a stroke later in life that prevented him from controlling a lot of his memories. Yeah. And what you got to know about World War One is America came into that right at the end. Correct. Right, yeah. From my from my American history yeah. guru Chad Jennings, came right at the end. That wiped out well, almost. That's when we showed up, we automatically won. <laughs> World War One wiped out an almost generation of men of French, German, and 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 English men. Right. Right. Correct. Right. I mean, a generation. Yeah. Yeah. They the, the trench warfare lasted forever, and it was very. And people that came back came back hurt. Hurt. I mean, it was a lot. The first this time was a time lot, before before mustard gas was outlawed. Yeah, so I mean, it was not uncommon. And there's a lot of horror documentaries that talk about this. One of the reasons horror movies boomed was America was dealing with the fact that people came back missing limbs and all that stuff, and they started. And there's, I mean, people argue that we have a renaissance of horror films <coughs> after wartime. Tom Savini dealt with Vietnam. Vietnam. By picturing how would I do that in a movie, right? Yeah. And and that influenced all of his. And he was a photographer, you know. So we're getting a little. Anyway, but I just wanted to say. So I mean, it, that's that's he was affected by that. James Whale is a fascinating man who who was very rich and successful and was making movies for Universal Studios. This isn't low budget. This is this is mainstream. And then he not only did 
Frankenstein. He did Bride of Frankenstein. Not only did that, he did The Invisible Man, which is another. James Well had a very absurd sense of humor that just fit the time and fit those movies perfectly. Mm -hmm. He was much more talented probably than... Oh, crap. I forgot the director of Dracula. The director of Todd Browning. Todd Browning's masterpiece is not Dracula. Todd Browning's masterpiece is Freaks. Freaks. Which is a wonderful film, but still creepy to this time. So, well, because he used actual actual freak circus performers that were part of what was called at the time the freak show. Freak show. So, made these the makeup was designed by Jack Pierce. One of the few things, from what I understand, is what I remember from the movie and from researching all this and stuff. It was you know he did design somewhat what Frankenstein was going to look like in the hole with the flat heads because you know could re you know open it up, put the brain in, right, take right. the brain out. So he was kind of, he was agnostic, atheist, if not agnostic, as best. Now, a lot of that comes into play in Bride of Frankenstein. A lot of the, uh, Patru- Patru- uh, I can't remember the, the crazy doctor's name. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, it's not Paternus, but, uh, yeah. Patrolus or whatever, yeah. yeah. A lot, all those things that he says, he's, he's quite an outspoken, with a lot of, gay man kind of things that he does in the movie. It's very much from people who have known that was James Whale being James Whale in that character. And he could do it as the evil doctor. He could do it as the evil doctor. Yeah. And there's things that he could say that a regular character couldn't get to. And there was a lot of things that he says about God and belief that you would never have flown, but he could say it as an evil doctor. As long as you were playing the villain, you, you could, could do, do whatever, whatever you want. want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's fascinating now looking back on it 80 some years later or 80 years later. Now, we had Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein. What's the next one? Son of Frankenstein. Son of Frankenstein. And was that was that Boris, Boris Karloff's last version of Frankenstein? I can't remember which one's the Because last he one. eventually became a, a supporting actor in some of the later ones. Boris Karloff. Uh, well, another famous story was that Boris Karloff was not necessarily the first person to play Frankenstein. The first person they wanted to play Frankenstein was Bela Lugosi. Yes. And he turned it down. Why, Chad? Because he, he it, there wasn't enough emotion. He couldn't. It was just. There's him. no lives. There's no lives. There's yeah. no lives. He There's did no play lives. him in another later in a Universal yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. With. with Boris Karloff playing a different character. Yeah, a different character. But which that movie that one's terrible. A lot of them are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of those sequels. Which are we'll, 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 we'll and we'll talk briefly about the Lon Chaney Jr. version of Frankenstein where Boris Karloff played. That one's bad. Yeah, or not Boris Karloff. Elagosi played. Uh, Is that House of Frankenstein? Eagle. Eagle. Yeah, I think it's House of Frankenstein. House of Frankenstein. But you know, I think so much of it, and and one of the reasons we now live <coughs> in an age of Marvel comics and. The, you know, Universal tried to launch the Dark Universe with the Mummy and all of that stuff. But what made these movies compelling when they did start crossing over was Son of Frankenstein was his last turn. As I knew, okay, I was right. Was the fact that it was? I mean, these characters were all. You had Dracula, who was fine being Dracula. I mean, you know, he yeah. was pro what he was. Yeah. But you also had the Wolfman, who did not want to be the Wolfman. Right. Who did not? So when you get these characters besieged by fate, fate, even a man who says his prayers by night. I mean, you know, it's all of that stuff, and I think that's what's really interesting. I think that's one of the reasons I love the Wolfman film so much. Is um, oh shoot, why am I blanking on who played the Wolfman? Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah, it is Lon Chaney. Yeah, yeah. 
is that first film, like, his biggest crime is he encounters Bela Lugosi. Right. Who is the first wolf. Yeah. I mean, Bela Lugosi plays, um, oh, I forget the character's name, blatantly uh, a gypsy name, obviously. We're getting off of Frankenstein but a little. But the reason I want to say that is, so, is that Frankenstein in some ways... has changed you. Frankenstein in some ways is the most compelling because it's also the one that humans have wrought. Dracula is a curse. Wolfman is a curse. I mean, you can want it or you cannot. You know, the I guess the Invisible Man, which came later, was... Well, the Invisible Man chooses. I mean, it's not necessarily... He, he is trying to get to a place. Once again, a lot of this is he's, it's either playing God or making decisions or not being ready well, to saying, deal with the man goes back to And then Socrates, he goes nuts after he right. goes invisible. Socrates made that argument if you were invisible, you know, you would eventually lose morality because we are judged by how we're seen and if you weren't seen. I mean that's that's ancient mythology. Absolutely. And and that's what the invisible man just plays HG Wells classed it up for a new age and then it got classed up again for yeah. film. But I think why Frankenstein is compelling and what I wanted to get back to and why I was circling around to it is is that you know the mummy is the mummy the mummy wants to live Frankenstein the creature I should say is complicated because he wants to know his maker but he as we talked about with Bride of Frankenstein eventually he wants to die he wants to be human and it's it's Pinocchio, but it's a very dark Pinocchio. It's it's you know you can go search for his data. It's he is made of man, yeah. but he, he's trying to figure out where his place is. So and he's compelling because of. It. Let's jump ahead a little bit. Universal petered out after a while with their horror films. Right. right? I mean you know and they the makeup burn them into the ground. Yeah, and the making the the makeup for Frankenstein just got kept getting progressively worse as the movies got cheaper and cheaper, cheaper and to cheaper. the point of. Where when, yeah, Lon, where when Lon Chaney Jr. was playing Frankenstein, he couldn't take the makeup on his head so much that he actually ripped it off his head during one of the films and actually r- took off all the skin off his forehead one time. But yeah, they just kept getting cheaper and cheaper. And the, the stories got more convoluted, like the one where... Well, and part of the complication, we've talked about this before for other things, is the monster always had to die. Yes. What's well, really hard to do the sequel when well the monster died? Yeah, like one well, the of monster died. One, one of the Frankenstein movies, Frankenstein gets covered in lava and is like basically covered in a giant rock, and then the next one they bring him out of the rock. Yeah, and, and I mean, so the Hayes Code uh, was part of the reason it got really complicated because you could do it a little bit easier with Dracula. Oh, somebody dropped a piece of uh, some blood on his bones and he regenerated. Mm. But really, Frankenstein, well, he is. I mean, he is an incredibly strong character but at the end of the day he's made out of meat it's yeah. us yeah so later on we they they started to bring them together and we had something called for you all monster rally so what that is is when they would have several different monsters in the movie to come to have people come out like you just didn't see frankenstein it wasn't just a wolf man it was like house of dracula and all house, these of and house, house of frankenstein house of frankenstein yeah. and so they had all of these monster rally pictures and then it got, went then what happens is we end up with Scary Movie. And what I mean by that is we have Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Yeah. Abbott and Costello meet the Wolfman. We have these movies. Now, some of them are a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. Right. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein is the best one. Correct? Yeah. Yes. Bar none. Bar none. <laughs> but it's the same thing as getting Scary Movie. Yeah. You ran out of screams. Now you're going to make 
the movie where well, you make and, fun of Scream. Well, and horror and humor are really close. I they're mean, really psychologically. Close. They're not that far apart. Because if you think about laughing uncontrollable and screaming are not, I mean, the way our brain functions is not that different. It's an innate. Right. Something strikes you as funny, you don't process it. You just, it's the same way. Something strikes you as fearful, you were wired that way. So it's really easy, and that's why we can laugh about being scared by something 20 minutes after it scares you. Right, after you're off the roller coaster. Yeah. Or you're screaming and laughing as you're on the roller coaster. Yeah. So let's skip ahead a few years and go to something called hammer. Now, hammer is not just something you hit with a nail. What is hammer? You don't hit a hammer with a nail. You hit a nail with a hammer. Well, no wonder my damn bridge fell down. <laughs> Hold on. All of them lost souls. <laughs> they were at that diner with that alien. It turns out, it turns out that Joe's the reason that every time he comes around that Fergie's London, London bridge be going down. Oh my God. Anyway, so Hammer was... Fergalicious! A British production company that made horror films. They made other things as well, but what they're remembered for is garish colors and blood and cleavage. And blood. Blood, blood. I mean blood. Blood, blood and cleavage. <laughs> I mean we're not talking Sam Raimi level blood yet, but cleavage. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my god, the brides of Dracula. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, what was her name? What's the name of the actress that they used all the time? Monroe? Um Caroline Monroe. Caroline Monroe. Mm. Thank you for reminding me. Anyway. No, I mean, she was... They made their own Dracula with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, and then that was really successful, and they made a bunch of Draculas, Frankenstein, Wolfmans, all of those, correct? And pretty much still, I mean, did not follow the universe, but <laughs> followed the monster would die at the end, and Bring then the monster back. Right. And, oh, it turns out if this one dagger is placed in this one place, Dracula returns. <laughs> Some of them are great. I enjoy a lot of them. Christopher Lee played Frankenstein in their version of Frankenstein. Yeah. And who played Dr. Frankenstein? Who played the creature was Christopher Lee. Who was the doctor? Oh, was that? Oh, it's crap. Peter Cushing. It's Peter Cushing. I was going to say, say Peter Cushing at the... At, 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 I was like, why did you have to... I was looking at you just so you could say it. That's oh, actually yeah, one of the more I'm, unbelievable I'm parts. But keep, because Peter Cushing looked like he was 50 years old then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like he's a young doctor. Yeah. It just... I, it's fine. It's not as good as Horror of Dracula. Well, but you know, the other part about that is they were also doing these little anthology films. Absolutely. Uh, and which would continue when Hammer kind of faded into Amicus. Amica There's Amicus and Hammer, actually. Those are two different things. Well, yeah, but eventually Hammer Hammer slid away before yeah. Amicus yep. did. Yeah, if you um, remember the original Tales from the Crypt. For both of those was the Amicus. The original Tales from the Crypt is not the Crypt Keeper. It is, no, the, it is. is, is Tales from the Vault. That, those were Amicus films, by the yeah. way. But Hammer because made, you had Vault of Horror, Vault Tales of from the, the Crypt. Crypt. Uh, what's the Dr. Midnight's Train or something? Which is I've got it. I haven't watched it yet. I want to watch Dr. Midnight's Soul Train. Yeah. <laughs> With Don Cornelius. Um I own most of those. Uh, the House of Drip Blood is another one. Yeah, that's another good one. Um, Monster Club was Vincent Price, and uh, what was his name? Looked a thousand years old. When <laughs> John he was Carradine. Born. John Carradine. John Carradine was born at eighty. Um, what? John Carradine was born at eighty. Have you no, ever seen the man? I've no, never I've seen, seen him. Remember young. Red Zone Cuba is a movie he did in the fifties with Coleman Francis. He's in it at the very beginning. Before you pull I that out, we're talking ass. about Frankenstein. No, no. At the very well, well he's the one that keeps going on about but, corrupt and blood houses. But what I'm saying is, 
all of these and and Monster Club was all about how the monsters hung out behind the scenes and everything. Right. And it, it's kind of a comedy. It's got some horror elements in it. But again, we saw these... It, it, it followed the universal cycle. If we can't make horror anymore... No, they will. They And then and then they started doing their own Monster Rally films as well. Yeah. Over in America, Corman was eating it up with Poe, but Hammer was doing the classic mm-hmm. monsters. monsters. Yeah, yeah. So those are great. And then we kind of... Go right, and then there, then it kind of becomes a cartoon. Yeah, somewhere yeah. along the way, somewhere along the way we get Frankenberry. Somewhere along the way we get Boris Karloff doing the voice for the Grinch. Well, and and and, and I'm is, not knocking it. I love no. all those things except Frankenberry. I don't like cereal, but well, because you hate America. Yeah. Um, actually, Frankenberry cereal may be amazing. I just actually no, it's, don't. It's strawberry flavored. I just I don't like care cereal. for. A you cereal. know when it first came out? Do you know the story? FYI, folks, this? don't send me any cereal. Unless he'll sponsor us, and then he will eat hey, every I'll bowl eat the of shit cereal. out of that cereal. Frankenberry, when it first came out, the dye that they used. Uh-huh. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know this. But go it ahead. Turned their poop. It turned it blood red. It caused <laughs> parents to panic. They had to change the dye because it was actually blood red cereal because it was Frankenberry. It was supposed to be horror cereal. And that's why it's pink now because they had to change the dye because it literally kids look yeah. like they were pooping blood. Look at that. That's true. Damn. I want to get that in some booberry. I love booberry. Didn't Andy Warhol do a Frankenstein? Andy Warhol did a Frankenstein and a Dracula. Yeah. At this point, and this, and we're not even talking about this is just America. Yeah. And Europe, we haven't talked about Mexico. We haven't talked about the rest of the world and their Frankenstein's, and that would take forever. Right. So how does Frankenstein? I'm going to propose a question to you one more time. Not the Frankenstein from Hammer. Not the Frankenstein from Frankenberry. The Frankenstein from Frankenstein. The Jack Pierce makeup on... <coughs> I forgot who played Frankenstein. Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff. Oh, Boris Karloff. How does that... How does a 10-year-old know that that is Frankenstein's... Well, they, well, they mean, say Frankenstein. How do they know that that's Frankenstein's world, creature? You still, you still see that version of Frankenstein in, like, Hotel Transylvania. Yeah. In in modern cartoons... Is that what he looks like? Yes, yes so that's what he looks like. Does, is he bolts? Bolts, and... yes. And that's it. But I also think that with, there's something about that that a kid can know it. How? Well, how is that how, how is that digested? Because that is... Like, I showed it to my kids. I served them with Abbott and Costello because I'm like, man, let's ease them in. Did they enjoy that? They did. Because it was like, oh, he's a monster, but he's not... Uh, blood dripping, gore dripping. I don't have to worry about it. It's like, oh, okay. And, I, you know, especially in that one where he's, listen, kid, you could run from him. He's nothing to be afraid of. Right, right, right. And he's not after you. He's after his creator. He's after He's after blood. Um, so I think, you know, you kind of... It's Frank and Barry cereal. <laughs> he loves that cereal. Mm, where he poops blood. <laughs> anyway, the... Um, so, I mean, I think that's why... I think Dracula... Is all but you know he has to consume blood. It's hard to get kids to down with that one. Yeah, Wolfman, he's cursed. He's all this stuff. It's also he has nards. He, he sure does. Well, too. you know though, but I you, if you put a cape and some fangs on, I think people think of Dracula too. Probably yeah. ten years old. Right. I still there. There's something about that. Well, it's, and it's everything. It's the shape. It's there's nothing else like that. That you would think it is. Where do like they if find you it? have a flat head and you have bolts in your neck, who else would you be confused with? Well, you 
have the luxury, or I shouldn't say luxury, you have a unique perspective. Both of you do. You have a four-year-old and a two-year-old? Yes. You have a seven-year-old and six a six... Six and eight. Six, and that's what I said. You have a six and eight-year-old, right? Yeah. So, you both are nerds, geeks, weirdos, freaks, freakazoids. And you are... Assholes. I was going to say. I'm just the, a dick. And a dynamic lover, but go ahead. <laughs> yes, I am. Thank you. So... Wasn't talking about you. Oh, so you so you're telling me so it's uh, it makes sense that your children would know what that is, they would see but it you in your see, house. You see the Frankenstein image still in modern day stuff. I mean, you the night before Halloween was a kids book we got because my daughter was born on October thirtieth. Yeah. In it, page one, it's Frankenstein's monster. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, and, and it's a. He's green. He's got both of his yeah. neck and his head flat. I have children's books at home that I read to the kids on Halloween, around Halloween time, where you say, oh, and look, here's Frankenstein, like, doing a... Here's so you're saying they're inundated with it? Yeah, they're inundated with the, the green head, the stitches on the top, the bolts. So does Jack Pierce's family get a check every time no, one no. other kid trade? Isn't it unfortunate? But, you know, you think about that, like, how many other characters in... I won't even say popular culture anymore. This isn't a popular. This is culture. Oh yeah, no, no. I I I stand by my statement of I can show that to a ten year old. But it's the same thing. If I hold up a symbol of an S in a in a diamond kind of shaped thing, it's Superman's. But yeah, whatever whatever origin you want to give it, it means hope. It means whatever. It's his family credit. Doesn't matter. But people are Superman. Right. A bat in a circle. <clears throat> so I, I mean, I think we're to that level where. You know, it, it is iconic, and and we've got Young Frankenstein there. I mean, I think Young We're Frankenstein... We're going to get to it in a second. But, I mean, I think you're talking about something that's so iconic that I probably, just because my dad loved Mel Brooks, I probably saw that before I saw the original Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I did. I'm no, sure I, can I, did. Tell you, I can tell you what I saw. Well, my introduction to Frankenstein would be the Monster Squad. Yeah, that was one. that was my introduction to Frankenstein. I didn't know about Boris Karloff, which a lot of kids from the eighties. That's probably when, their when, I, when I was introduced to oh, when I was introduced yeah. to Boris Karloff. He was the Grinch. I didn't know about Frankenstein when I saw the Mo Monster Squad. Was my introduction to the Universal Monsters, and then I sought them out. Written and directed by Fred Decker and Shane Black, directed by Fred Decker and Tom Noonan, played. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. Let's get to the 70s and Young Frankenstein. So young, we're jumping back in time. A little bit, because I do want to mention it. We and This is my <laughs> original one sheet, so... It's, you let it go, Chance. Yeah, sure. Anyway, one of my favorite movies of all time, Blazing Saddles is my favorite Mel Brooks film, but it's, I mean, it's basically... It's basically it Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein... Point, Blazing Saddles. This, Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, and Shut Up, and the producers. Yes, a lot of people in Hollywood... Or, but wasn't it... The, Judd Apatow says this is the superior one. The, the Film Institute, the American Film Institute, voted that the number one comedy of all time at one point. I, it doesn't surprise me I didn't know that. Young Frankenstein, is, it was shot in black and white. It was not shot in color. In fact, it was almost made... It was made at Fox, but it was almost made at Columbia, and what it was is the deal was done. Mel Brooks got up to leave the table and said, oh, by the way... I want to shoot it in black and white. And I was like, what? Everybody stopped. He's like, no, we can shoot it in color. And then, no, 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 it needs to be shot in black and white because what you'll do is you'll shoot, you'll show it in color and you, uh, black and white here and then the rest of the world will see it in color because yeah. he's green. This yeah. is how it shows up in black and white. Right. Uh, 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 yeah, Peter, uh, 
that boil was <laughs> had to look down. That's so sad. Was green in it. So it was just then it was made at Fox, and this came out the same year, by the way, as Blazing Saddles. Can you imagine having a back to back like that? Well, the funny part about this is too. Um, when we're done filming, I didn't tell you something about Blazing Saddles. Sorry. Um, but the funny part about it as well is that the original ending, he didn't really have one. And you can find the archive footage was literally, it just was going to almost end akin to Holy Grail. Uh-huh. He was just going to have him walk out and basically say the movie's over. And there's footage of him walking out at the end. And they filmed that, and then they came up with the ending that we know. Right. Um, but it, at one point he was like, how are we going to end this? And so he filmed an ending of basically, like I said, it is dangerously close to Holy Grail where it's like, oh, we don't have an ending, sorry. The other cool thing about Young Frankenstein was <clears throat> the original idea was Gene Wilder's. Yeah. Right. And different people tell the story differently. I think the most accurate is, of how it came together, was that they all had the same agent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they say, you know, Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks were faint, were friends, and they was like, well, I've done my mail to do it. But what it is, is they were all, pre- uh, uh, it was Mike Mech- Metavoy, why I remember that, I have no idea, was all their agent, Peter Boyle's agent, able to pull them together, and they were and, able to and, make a deal. Um, Oh, shit. Cloris Leachman. No, uh... Terry Gar. Terry Gar. Madeline Kahn. No. Your mom. Chuck Yeager. Why, why am I blanking Chuck Woolery. on... Chuck uh, Woolery. Chuck Woolery. Marty well, Feldman. Feldman. Marty Feldman. It's Marty Feldman's agent, too, because... And the, one of the great things about this is Marty Feldman, if you're not aware, was not wearing a lot of makeup in this role. No, no he, and I was not accidental. He, he, he actually did have... A lazy eye. A lazy eye. And, and there was one of the conversations they had was when they were talking about it. And I've heard this Gene Wilder mention it. And then Mel Brooks told the same story. So they both agree on this version of it. Was when the agent said, I also represent Marty Feldman. We get Marty Feldman to do it. And uh, Gene Wilder said, I've not, I'm familiar with him, but I've not really worked with him. And Mel Brooks' response was, Gene, Gene, don't worry about it. If he's upset on set, all you got to do is stand in front of him and he'll never see you. never <laughs> see. Which is true. This is maybe one of my favorite movies of all time. I actually think it's probably slight. I mean, they used the original set from Frankenstein. Yeah. I mean, he was very explicit in making a Frankenstein movie. Well, and it plays off of, I mean, it fits... Arguably, in the Frankenstein mythos that Universal yeah, loves Yeah, he is the son he, of... He is the great-grandson... Of Victor Frankenstein. Of Victor Frankenstein. Because it, it, he's not the son, because that's been done. Yeah. He's not the... He is the great-grandson. And it's even, you know... Uh, and what I love about this movie is, after my kids saw Abbott and Costello, I immediately went to this. And if you've seen it, and I hope you have... And if you haven't... There's, there judgment, are, judgment, there's a judgment. couple... There's a couple sex jokes. There's a couple, but if you're a kid, they go way over your head, and it's the stupid dartboard jokes. He would have stupid... a enormous von Stuka. Well, I think that goes without saying. Yeah. But my, what did my kids laugh at? The scene where the monster is growling in the, you know, in the lab, and um, you know, well, this is really good. I'm not usually a big fan of desserts, but this is quite good. <laughs> that wasn't me. You, 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 you made a yummy sound. No, no, it wasn't. And my kids found that hilarious. And and I think the um, I think that's it. I think that that's another reason kids know it because this is approachable. I can show this to my kids and I laugh <coughs> at the jokes that are for adults. But there's enough stuff in this. 
But my kids actually got kind of worried when he broke free and all that stuff. And it's like, okay, it's a comedy. You're going to be fine. I mean, it's good. It's no Transylvania 6, 5,000. 5, <laughs> I had to throw it in there. Um, but I, I, I don't know how much we should spend on Young Frankenstein. Probably move along to the other Frankenstein thing. Could be worse. Could, Could be, be raining. raining. <laughs> all right. So through the 80s, there were several... Eight, other than Monster Squad, is there a good Frankenstein? There's a lot of TV movies. There are a lot of TV movies. There's TNT some of them. made one, right? TNT made one in the 90s. There's one in the 2000s that's directed by uh, the same guy that directed... And, and the, again, there's some of these movies that really go out of their way to try to get closer to this. Yeah. Um, and even some movies that aren't exactly great. I mean, arguably, again, you go back to... If you haven't seen it, don't rush out. But even Van Helsing, what happens? Eventually the monster turns around to try to help. Yeah, as bad as a movie as Van Helsing is, it's probably, probably the creature is a little bit closer to the book as far as the yeah. pathos, yeah. So, I, I mean, again, we keep seeing we go back to these characters. Oh, and I forgot to mention, Reanimator is really just a rip-off of It's H.P. Lovecraft. It's Lovecraft, it's Lovecraft Frankenstein. Frankenstein. It is not, and by the way, it's one of my I love Reanimator. It's a great movie. There's a scene in it. It's yeah. just amazing. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. The head scene. Yeah. And that's all I really need to say. Yeah. It's just amazing. But it's not even one of Lovecraft's good stories. No. No. Even no. though it's probably the most successful Lovecraft adaptation. We all know that Lovecraft's best story is The Raven. I hate you so much. I thought he wrote Cat on the Hot Tin Roof. <laughs> Oh, I Tennessee, got, Mississippi. <laughs> I got to see. I'll tell you that story later. Anyway, um, so what other Frankenstein should we talk I about? I mean, you know, there was movies like Frankenhooker, 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 John Hennenlotter, wonderful adaptation, uh, a stupid movie that is extremely entertaining. It holds up, by the way. I watched so it a what, few I mean, years ago. Quickly, what's the basic outline? It's about a guy who. Tries to, I forgot. But anyway, she's a hooker and he brings her back to life. And he has a drill and he puts it in his head to try to get him to think straight. Yeah. <laughs> As one does. As one um, does. And and it's played by Patty Mullen and she does this. And the guy, Frank Hindenlauter, uh directed he's he's famous for directing Basket Case and Basket Case Two and and those films. And it, it's just a lot of fun. I, I swear to God I don't remember. She gets killed at some sort of barbecue. I've never actually seen it. But you know I don't remember how. It's ridiculous. And the drill scene of him trying to think straight and stick I, the drill I, in his head. I think the the thing about why we keep going back to this, uh, and why we'll why we will always go back to Frankenstein, why we will always go back is because you can adapt this to any time period. Yeah. That's I will true. say when this came out, grave robbing would have been God, it was a sin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you were an abomination if you touched a dead body. Which you were like Phil's dog. And you can see that if 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 you have Netflix, there's a there's a decent show called The Frankenstein Chronicles. Oh, I haven't watched it. What's it about? It's it, it's not a it's not a historical tale, but I mean, it's it's it's, it's a retelling of uh, of a detective played by Sean Bean. Um, and he dies in the first season. No, but <laughs> nobody has syphilis. <laughs> give it time. Has one, one does. But no, he's trying. <laughs> one does. 
uh, they find so they find a they find a body in a in a in a bog that's been sewn together out of various parts, and he, it's him trying to solve the murder. And in it, he meets Mary Shelley. And I haven't finished it yet, but I believe it's called The Frankenstein Chronicles. It is called The Frankenstein Chronicles. Well, I've just you know, never started it. There was a movie it. that came out last year, 2017, Mary Shelley. Oh, I thought you were going to bring up Young Fra- Victor Frankenstein. Are you talking about Mary Shelley? Played by, played by Ellie Fanning, right? Very yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it either. There's, but, and then the, there is. There is the uh, Victor... Uh, what's, what's the one with Daniel Radcliffe? Victor Frankenstein. Victor Frankenstein oh, is not a good movie. There's about a third you know, of that. I actually that watched it really? and I, I, I liked it at... Not for the Frankenstein stuff. The whole him taking out the pus out of his sack yeah. on his back. Yeah. 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 No. Well, I mean, it was it was something. There's a good I did scene with a coming. monkey. Yeah. So I I think, uh, but I I think we keep going back to that, and that's why we got what two, three Frankenstein movies last year. Yeah. I was gonna say, like in modern times, and I know y'all might disagree with me, but in terms of a Frankenstein retelling, I think the best version we've had recently is Frankenweenie. Really? I love... Which version? The the, the, the claymation version, not the uh, short that he did, uh, Tim Burton did. But Tim Burton uh, took a short that he did in the early 80s. Early 80s, early for, 80s Disney. for Disney. Um, and redid it in a claymation. Um, and my kids loved it too. Stop but motion. I liked it. Stop motion. Uh, yeah. In a stop motion style. And I think it's fantastic. It's, it's one of my favorite modern Tim Burton films. I liked it, but it didn't stick with me. It stuck with me. Just because, I mean, it's about a little boy who doesn't fit in. Oh. And his dog. And his dog. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, it... it but, you know, I, I, I again, I agree. I think that's one of the things... But I think it also goes back to, and that's one where there's actually love between the creature and the... Yeah. The, <laughs> and, and I think that's why this story is, is eternal. It is because you know for in the I agree it's adaptable for any generation. for for a while I mean there were tons of ripoffs of the Frankenstein with during the Atomic Age it might not have been called Frankenstein but it was dead bodies came back because they got irradiated or yeah. so I mean we adapt that horror and playing with God and Pandora's box it goes back even before Frankenstein yeah but this made it human yes the 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 what you unleashed was you. It was your because Frankenstein wasn't trying to create a monster; he wanted to create perfection, but yeah. he was flawed. So how can all? So and I think we play around with that. I think that you know we've talked. You've mentioned before. I think that you don't need another Robin Hood. You don't need a King Arthur. I don't. I think. I don't. I think there'd be very few people who would say, "I never want to hear another Frankenstein." I never want another. I think if like you that. have, because I know it's Del, one of Del Toro's dream projects. I think if you've got the right person, with the right unique vision to bring their and own perspective and point of view to it, then yes. And speaking of vision, we can't do a Frankenstein episode without bringing up probably the best illustrated Frankenstein. Oh yeah, I'm so sorry. I should have got the book and put it up here too. Bernie Wrightson. I have it. I don't have a sign. Uh, and Bernie Wrightson passed away. But Bernie Wrightson... Not gonna tell me. 20 years after he did it, or at least 15 years after he did it... Oh, 20. He Louis said Madden. that he couldn't do it now. That was his best work, and that yeah. was his and, best and work. And he did it. It's not colorized. It is, it is pen sketched. And he even said, I look at it now, and I can't tell you how I did it. Yeah. And it is raw, and it is... I mean, it's... it's, it's it, if you don't like horror art, sorry, but it's honestly beautiful. Oh, it's amazing. Bernie Wrightson is a great artist. 
you may know him and from... And it makes Poe sketches look like shit. Yeah. Shh, shh. He may, you may know <laughs> Actually, him. Actually, I got him to sign a, a post sketch. My, Thank you. <laughs> my Creep Show poster was signed by him. He did the art for my Creep Show poster for the movie Creep Show. If you've ever seen the famous image, that's Bernie Wrightson. And he made Swamp Thing cool. He made Swamp Thing. He, he did the art. He did art hundreds sketches of for Ghostbusters. Yeah. Designed the dog. Right. Some of that stuff and some of the ghosts. He he was a brilliant artist that we met that we wish we would have got to spend more time. We would have loved to have had him on the show, but he unfortunately passed away before we ever actually did Bonehead. So right. yeah, he was a famous artist that maybe we can uh, cut to if you're watching the YouTube version of this of close up. I have the Frankenstein illustrated version here somewhere in the but house. But he tells the he tells the book. Mm -hmm. It is based on the book. Um, but but it, it's illustrated. It is illustrated, and it is what I would argue richly illustrated. I yes. mean, he Agreed. he captures a lot. It's not just close. His version of Frankenstein, which is not necessarily what you would imagine while you're reading no. Frankenstein. No, well, and that's it because Frankenstein is supposed to be arguably beautiful, scarred but beautiful, and it's that back and forth. How do you capture that on film? How do you and how do you define beauty? And how do you? But and I'll, that and you have a certain expectation of a monster. Yeah. Right. And visually, you can do that in a story, written story, very easily. But visually, how do you tell that? Because it didn't work for De Niro. No. And then, now I and will, no one thinks that movie's good. I, I was going to say, I actually will defend that movie to a part in that it got the feeling of the time period. Right. right. Well, that's probably. And it has Tom Hulse. Yeah, I mean, it really does capture the time period. More movies well, don't have Thomas Hulse. Yeah. It, it captures a lot. And probably a third of that film was what I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it felt, and the horror felt real, and his guilt, and I mean, it was Kenneth Branagh, so you're not, he's not going to phone it in. But I think Directing that's himself. It. Yeah, yeah. He knew he was going to get the best work out of him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to quote Futurama, the episode with the Star Trek cast, when I was directing... Um, with Star Trek Four, I got a great work out of Bill yeah. because I respected him so much. And when I was directing me in Star Trek Five, I got a great fourth out of me because I respected him so, so much. much. Anyway, but I think the, um, I think that's it. I think, I mean, and I think that's why we'll go back. I think you can release a thousand Frankenstein's as long as as long as you bring something new. I don't want a shot for shot remake of anything. But I think that's why I can say it was an experiment. Gus Van Sant Psycho. Um, performance art. Performance art. Um, <laughs> I think the... Uh, like, I'm still wanting a Wolfman movie. I Yeah, I agree. And, and I still want a Dracula. I'll, we, I'll go see another And we I'll need finish. to end this, but what I would like to say um, for me, for my closing, is, is that I think what I have a problem with, and they did it with The Mummy, and then they did it again with The Mummy, even though I actually think the Cruise Mummies were probably superior to the Brendan Fraser Mummy. You know, my problem, and I, I was telling you this earlier, my problem is The Mummy's in chains most of The Mummy. Yeah, I mean, it's... And I, I was like, but if I, you watch the original Mummy, it's really not so much about The Mummy anyway. No, it's about... And yeah. people forget that, but that's a whole other... Because The Mummy's there the entire time. Really, what don't. they're doing is actually thinking of the sequels to The Mummy, and they really yeah. aren't thinking... But that's beside the point. Like Igor being in Frankenstein, they're not really thinking of that. They're thinking of 1,500 movies later. Yeah, right. But what I what I find that I think that they I get aggravated with is they try to make them into adventure movies, right? Action adventure movies. And I don't get me wrong, I love Indiana Jones. Yeah, I love action adventure films. Why the hell 
would Frankenstein be an action-adventure film? No. Why is The Mummy an action-adventure film? I want that, and that's it. Every time I thought they could do one more, like, I I was sitting there watching The Mummy with Tom Cruise, and I thought, wouldn't it be cool, if you haven't seen it, the scene <coughs> where the scarab thing, where she uses it to get the one guy to get her free or whatever, and it crawls into his ear. Mm -hmm. And I, some people have body horror about things going in the ears. I don't have that, but the Star Trek 2 oh, really? scene and all that stuff. <laughs> anyway, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if instead of just his eyes rolling up, if all of a sudden it just multiplied and we see the bugs move under his skin. Like I was playing out what I would have done in that scene, what I would have wrote, and just to see them actually start to pull him apart and control his hands and you see the ligaments pulling. And, and I was sitting there but thinking that's a horror film. That. And that's it. I was you're like, writing, Why you're writing a horror film. Why aren't we seeing that? Because I thought, because I'm like, I'm fine with the bug going in. But I knew exactly as soon as the bug went in, I'm like, ah, it's mind control. What's going to do? I'll just do something new. And I agree. It's it's uh, we lost the horror. You were lost the horror. And and Frankenstein isn't necessarily a horror film as much as it is probably a study on ethos and what it is to not be loved. But not that I know anything about that. Soulless bastard. All by myself. <laughs> Uh, Anything to end, guys? I, you know, like I said, I, I, I do want to say Frankenstein, I read it when I was Frankenstein's freshman. Army. Fresh, well, actually, Frankenstein's Army. I mean, the, so the idea of Nazis using body parts and they all so many people, we'll just reassemble Death Race them. 2000 and that Frankenstein. I mean, but all of that, I think that the, the idea of Frankenstein and what makes Frankenstein, I love Dracula, I love all these movies. But what makes Frankenstein compelling is is that, again, it's what have we unleashed. Right. And the older I get and the more I think about... What hath God brought? Germ warfare and nuclear arms and all of that stuff. And, and you know... I, the cholesterol content. Um, mm -hmm. Taking you so old, I'm going to damn die, Pill. The last <laughs> scene in... Uh, it, it's not the same, but I, I think... It's the island of Dr. Moreau. It's all of that stuff. It's And Frankenstein paved the way for that. What are we doing when we start to mess with what being alive means? Well, what is being alive? What is, oh, my God. We could, that's a whole that's other what I'm episode. saying. And I think that's what Frankenstein does. But I also think that's why Frankenstein also lends itself to humor. Do you think like he that. talks more since he got back from Mississippi? Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of contact with people down there. I just sit and you drive. should wear your glasses more. <laughs> anyway. Um, but I think that's he it. showered? It's smuggy down there. Frank. What are you laughing for, Haley? But I think that's the other part about Frankenstein. I'm just making sure you showered. Is, um... You keep going. Yeah, I know. We gotta wrap this we up. We gotta wrap it up. I was up. trying to finish. Pretend you're a teenager and it is prom night. Wrap it up. So I'm just gonna stay at home and play video games? Well, you're um. prom night, <laughs> yes. But pretend you're a successful, attractive teenager and you need to wrap it up. Um... No, I think Frankenstein is lends itself to every interpretation. You can do a comedy, you can do horror, you could do it as an adventure, but it's going to play out differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because it's all about what we create. All right, and um, let thank you so much. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud. Share us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, medias, medias, socials medias of the social media. If you decide to run across a baseball field while they're playing, hold up a sign that says Bonehead. Bonehead. I mean, we ain't gonna pay your bail or nothing. No, but we'll give you a free diet in LA. And just remember, I flew 89 combat missions. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you, Miss McGrath. <laughs> oh, I'm so sick. I didn't spend my six years in that Saigon prison so you couldn't like our show. Oh my God! And on that note, thank you all so much for tuning in, Bonehead. It was really great having our friend back. I'm so glad Chad could be here. I know, me too. Yeah, thank you. I I'm miss Happy I miss Phil. <laughs> oh, Phil. Phil. And his soulless, soulless abomination. Dog. Bye, everybody. Franken dog. That's Franken dog. What that is. me eat them so you can have a cherry because i want a cherry here you can have the orange or did you eat all my lifesavers i only had three you left me the yellow one no one eats the piss yellow one i know that's why i left it for you but i don't want it eat it you eat it bitch <laughs>